Welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are streaming live from Team Needham Abode. And we are super excited to have Kim Overton on our show today. She is a nurse, and we met her at a health freedom conference in Phoenix a few months back, and we are just super excited to her about for her to talk about Nurse Freedom Network and Remnant Nursing. So without further ado, Kim, welcome to our show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about the history of how we got here and why we're on this podcast together. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a, a registered nurse. I uh, My background was in critical care and I had worked uh, throughout the, the pandemic. I was working in the ICU, caring for COVID patients. And, you know, I started, well, we'll back up a little bit further than that before starting Nurse Freedom Network. I started to become uncomfortable with some of the protocols that were being used in the hospitals, specifically the remdesivir, which we, you know, we knew was, was harmful to patients. And oftentimes it was deadly to patients. Yet we were continuing to see this um, protocol used all while they were denying safe and effective medications. You know, this was something I started questioning early on, that along with uh, things like early intubation instead of early treatment, they were actually intubating patients, not because they were in distress, but simply because they were trying to, you know, contain a virus uh, to protect the healthcare workers. That was quite possibly the most egregious thing that I had ever seen in my nearly 30 years in healthcare was actually. Uh, pushing for medical interventions that were not necessary and that were not about that patient in the bed. So be, for those reasons, I ended up deciding to walk away from uh, bedside nursing and, and began um, Nurse Freedom Network back in July of 2021 when they started to uh, come down with these unconstitutional vaccine mandates. You know, I didn't come into the fight anti-vax at, at all. I, I didn't. I had been pro-vaccine my entire life, my entire yeah. nurse career. Same, same here. <laughs> yeah. It was just one of those things that, you know, unfortunately, I think so many of us just implicitly trusted and we never questioned, which is, which is odd because I, I question everything, you know, which is, but for some reason it was different with these vaccines and that just goes and speaks to the level of, um, of just conditioning that we've all had over, over so many decades and centuries. Um, but I just, I felt like it was, and I didn't even necessarily think anything nefarious was going on. I just thought it, this is really quick and I didn't feel like it was something that I needed. I thought if I got sick with COVID, because at that point I had not even gotten COVID yet, right? I had been directly caring for these patients um, and it took me nearly, uh, I think nearly two years to get, you know, the deadliest, most contagious virus known to man. It took me two years to get it. Um but um, I just figured, you know, I, if I if I do get sick, I have a great immune system and it'll work and everything will be fine. And maybe we, you know, just use risk mitigation. I don't know what happened with that, but that seems to have gone out the window when when COVID was ushered in and they started talking about putting a shot in every arm, which to me was just a very irresponsible and short sighted decision to make. Healthcare is not one size fits all. And that's what we were seeing over and over again was they were trying to push these these shots in every arm. And the more and harder that they pushed, the more I realized that this, this something was very wrong. Um, so at that point, I had not yet been put under a mandate. 
but I saw that happening to my friends and my colleagues in the nursing uh, community and a facility that I used to work at uh, was Med Center in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And, you know, it was a nonprofit hospital. And I feel like those were the facilities yeah. that I hit first. Can, can I stop you really quick? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's just rephrase nonprofit. They are not nonprofit. They're tax exempt. There you go. <laughs> That's exactly. Exactly. Just, just like clearing that up because yeah. people think they're, you know, they're so charitable because they're nonprofit. They are not nonprofit. They're tax exempt. And, and, yeah. and it ought not to be that way. Anyway, go on. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, they, those seem to be the facilities that were getting hit. Those ones that rely more and they, oh, let's face it. Every, every facility relies on federal dollars. If they accept CMS or Medicare, they rely on federal dollars. So there's that. And, um, and, and in order to accept those federal dollars, strings are attached. Oh, so many of the protocols that the federal that the feds want them to do, they will not get paid. Period. And that's why I say over and over again, hospitals that accept federal dollars are evil. Period. They are. They Absolutely are. right. Absolutely correct. But yeah, I started seeing that happen and I knew, you know, it hadn't come to me yet. I knew it was going to come down eventually on me, but I see this happening to so many of my friends and colleagues. And I'm like, I have to say something. I have to do something. So we started Nurse Freedom Network. It really started as just a, it started as a Facebook group, interestingly enough. Um, started as a Facebook group. It was just supposed to be um, a place where myself and my colleagues could kind of get together and navigate our way through what I now like to call a COVID class world <laughs> and just you know, figure out where do we go from here. Um, and it just really quickly evolved from there. It's We started protesting at local hospitals that were firing their nurses over these mandates. And then we started having nurses that were building advocacy teams in states across the country. So it really it caught on very quickly. Um, I began speaking out at medical freedom events across the country. I spoke at Defeat the Mandates in both D.C. and L.A., um, different, uh, you know, just medical freedom conversations conferences and, and events, anywhere that I could speak out, I would in, in order to just inspire and encourage other nurses to do the same, to start speaking out about what they were seeing and, um, you know, what was happening to our profession. It was, was very sad to me. Um, but beyond the advocacy, I had a, a vision that was a little bit larger. And that was that I really wanted to be able to create opportunities for nurses to break away from uh, just a broken and oppressive sick care system. It's, it's, it does nothing to keep anybody well. Again, this is a system I've been a part of now for 27 years. And it's about disease management, symptom management. It's not about getting to the root cause of what is what's happening or getting anybody well. It's it's, you know, and that was probably the most depressing part of being a nurse for me, an ICU nurse particularly, was that about probably 85 to 90% of Every patient we saw coming through those ICU doors, their, uh, their conditions were probably completely preventable with lifestyle modifications. Mm -hmm. But over and over again, we just see them coming in and managing them and sending them home, but really doing nothing to address what's happening. And it was it was very, very sad for me uh, to see that over and over again. It, it's just people suffering from chronic disease, and it doesn't need to be that way. Um, so the more research I had done about these vaccines, the more I start to realize that, wait a minute, um, are, what about the rest of the vaccines? Are they, you know, I start looking at the childhood schedule and I start realizing and am horrified by, by what I find. Um, you know, I, what was really compelling to me was a presentation by Dr. Brian Hooker. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Hooker. I'm not. 
he's a, oh, he's amazing. He is the chief scientific officer over at Children's Health Defense. Uh, himself and uh, Neil Miller, who's an investigative journalist, they had actually done a study on health outcomes in vaccinated versus unvaccinated children. And by far, the outcomes of the unvaccinated children, they were far healthier than those of their vaccinated peers. But what was really compelling to me was um, if you look at all of the autism, it's now one in every 32 children, I believe, uh, is on the spectrum. And if you look at the data from the unvaccinated, the um, instance of autism among the unvaccinated is virtually zero. And that's pretty compelling when you look at it. It's very compelling. You know, just on the same subject, Kim, we were with some friends. She's a pharmacist, actually, and back east and um, in the Vermont area. And we were talking about the same thing about the health of vaccinated versus unvaccinated. And, and here's a good example. If, if people, if people think that without vaccines, it's just going to wipe out mankind. Um, look at the Amish community, the Amish community, they don't get vaccinated. And, and there's some, there's some of the healthiest people around. I mean, you know, uh, infectious disease does not wipe them out. So that's a good example right there. Just a simple example. that I think everybody can understand because one of the things is when you start putting science in it, like with Dr. Hooker, and I'm sure he's a great guy, people are going to discredit him and say, well, yeah, he's working for the Children's Health Defense Fund. And But look at the Amish people. They're not vaccinated and they're not dying, dropping like flies. Yeah, exactly. And those are the things that we need to to really look at. We've all been conditioned to believe that, you know, the vaccines have been like this big savior of mankind. But, you know, if you actually look at the data, there's there's virtually there's zero evidence that uh, links a decrease in mortality to any vaccine. It's that's clean water systems that we have to thank for that. Absolutely. So, so and, it's and here's another thing that I go back to, Kim, is let's just be rational about this. I don't call myself smart. I don't call myself a scientist. Let's just think rational about this. Whether you're a healthcare professional or whether you're a lay person, how long have vaccines been around? Largely about 70 years. Let's just say 100, okay? Yeah. Well, how long has coronavirus, polio virus, measles, mumps, rubella, how long has it been around? Thousands of years. Yeah. It didn't wipe out mankind. Exactly. That's just rational thinking. We have immune systems built for a reason to fight those viruses, right? And it's been interesting to see that, like, so many people just don't, like, like I said, the level of, of conditioning is, it's, it's extreme, right? I never questioned any of these vaccines. I always just implicitly trust them, but I'm really of the very firm belief now that we're all vaccine injured on some level. You know, I think about all of the autoimmune conditions that we have, all of the chronic disease, all of the autism, ADHD, now food intolerances, allergies that we have. I, I believe that's all directly related to these vaccines. And, and to your point, yes, look at the Amish community. Um, they, they are not vaccinated and uh, they are overall healthier than, uh, you know, than the standard American diet and all of that yeah. um, between all of the toxins that we're putting in our body. And we're all guilty of it, you know, eating for convenience versus, you know, eating for um, nourishment. Uh, and, and it's unfortunate, but it's, there's such a barrage of different things that we are being hit with. And it's not just the vaccines, but 
I've really had to give myself a lot of grace for, for what I just implicitly trusted for so long, because I have, um, you know, I've received all my vaccines. My son had received all of his, I have vaccinated untold amounts of children. And I have to, you know, I, I have difficulty with that because I'm wondering now, like how many children have I injured? because of my ignorance that I didn't, you know, here I am giving parents informed consent. Well, how do we give informed consent as medical professionals when we ourselves are not truly informed? Yeah. Well, I will tell you a quick story about us is Jan and I are both pharmacists. We were two of the first pharmacists in Washington state, which was a pilot program nationwide mm-hmm. to get trained, certified to administer and prescribe vaccines. And, um, you know, the program was taught by the CDC. Imagine that. And I mean, I look back, Kim, and it was almost 30 years ago, 25 years ago. And I mean, the propaganda that we were fed was just incredible. And not once were we taught, we we were told about all the benefits. We weren't told about any of the side effects, any of them. In fact, Janet can tell this story. Um, Our oldest son, we didn't realize until 20 years later when we were at a a medical freedom conference that he was vaccine injured. He had interception, had to have his bowel, bowel resected, almost died. The pediatrician didn't tell us what, what caused it. The ER doctor didn't, the surgeon didn't. We find out 20 years later, even though we were trained as experts in vaccines, we didn't know it. And it was the rotavirus, the, the, the roto vaccine. And it was later taken off the market because of that. Now they have another one on the market, I guess. <clears throat> and we had, we had no idea. I mean, it, it just, yeah, people, you know, and, educated. we don't know. We no, have, and I think, like you said, we were so blinded. We just trusted the system. And now I will tell you, you're talking to two pharmacists here that question our entire pharmacy education. Yes, exactly. I've questioned everything I learned now um, because, you know, it was, and so unfortunately we implicitly trusted this for so long. People think that we get this large, uh, you know, array of education on vaccines as nurses the only only education that we receive are safe effective and necessary doctors receive little more than that and now from what you're saying pharmacists it doesn't sound like receive more uh, than that either so well and you know the first i don't know what was the first vaccine you questioned after i mean the covid vaccine is what we questioned you two probably Mm -hmm. then what went after that yeah. So, you know, I started thinking back to the the night, well, I guess it was like the late nineties, maybe when they, they started questioning the MMR, you know, Dr. Andrew Wakefield started questioning the MMR and the link between that vaccine and um, autism. And I can remember, I remember all of that. I didn't pay much attention to it because I remember they just came out and they said, oh, well, that was debunked. And we all said, oh, okay, well, that was debunked. Yep. We all just assumed that these people that were um, working in the CDC, FDA, and all of these people, I'm not in that realm, but I am assuming that the those that are, are doing their due diligence. And um, that wasn't happening. That wasn't happening. And I used to have this really extreme belief that people in the medical field were like really high moral and ethical character because I didn't think anybody other than that would go into this field. That's simply not true. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was exposed during COVID for sure. One thing I look at too, Kim, is I think the higher the education of the people in healthcare and, and just in general, the more we were suckered into believing all that stuff. It's true. And there's been studies done on that, that that the higher your education level, the more likely you are to fall into a mass formation psychosis. So it's, that's very, very true. And and I think it might be, I don't, I can't explain it necessarily, but I think it might be that, you know, we were educated by the same system that is 
propagating all this stuff. Yeah. So in some ways, if we don't believe this, we question our entire history of what we've been doing. So you got to just, you know, yeah, I think, believe it or, 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 or your life is just. That's true. And, and I, I, I mentioned, I actually wrote an article about this, about how nurses have that tendency to compartmentalize and, you know, we have to compartmentalize that's a coping mechanism. And we have to do that due to the, the high stress nature of our jobs, you know, but where I, I think this is just another example of that is that we're compartmentalizing, um, because, you know, I saw so many nurses coming out and they were demanding that everybody get vaccinated. But if you think about it, nurses have been complaining about uh, things like safe staffing and under, we, we've been complaining about this broken system for decades longer centuries. I mean, Florence Nightingale has a, a really good quote about how, um, you know, it's really difficult to nurse based on like administrative practices and all of these different system failures. So it goes back centuries that these problems have plagued our profession. Yet here we are and we're demanding that the uh, that everybody um, just pay pl blind allegiance to the system that we have professed to not trust three decades. So yeah. I never could understand that, but I think it's just one more um, example of how as nurses, we compartmentalize because if we don't, if we start questioning everything, it makes it really difficult to do your job. You know, I couldn't, I could no longer do my job. I was so morally compromised. You know, I started when I left at the, the bedside because I, I was tired of watching my patients needlessly die, knowing that there's medications and, and treatment available, but that they're being denied to my patients. I couldn't do that any longer. So I left the bedside and I started working from home doing uh, telephone triage nursing. And it was a great alternative for a while, but, you know, there again, I start becoming uncomfortable with protocols that we're being asked to use. They wanted me to recommend vaccination for everyone, including children. And um, for me, I, I just wasn't, I wasn't willing to do that because not only did they want me to recommend them, but they wanted me to use the word safe and defective. We actually had a script that if somebody called and said, hey, should I get the vaccine for my child? Is it safe? We have a script that said, yes period. The vaccine is safe and effective, period. Well, we would have no way of knowing that, first of all, because we didn't have any safety data at that time. You know, the long-term data was not available. And the short-term data, what we were seeing, was we were seeing injuries at the bedside very early on. I mean, this is when I, even before I left bedside nursing, I had started seeing the injuries um, in the form of uh, cardiac symptoms, in the form of strokes, GI bleeds, paralysis, and otherwise healthy individuals that were coming in um, so it, uh, there was no way because number one, it's just, it does not meet the standard for informed consent to use the word safe and defective when we had no way of knowing uh, that was true. So I ended up resigning from my position. I had been exempted from the mandates as a work from home employee, but I just, there was no way that I could do that. So I, I took a giant leap of faith. I didn't have the financial provisions to do that. I cannot believe, I still to this day can't believe I, I was able to do it. Um, and I, I owe that all to, to God who I, um, you know, who, who I felt very called to, to be put in this position, to stand in the gap and to speak out for my patients and for humanity. Um, and I had to lean on my faith and on God's provisions for my life because I was in no position to do that. But I'm, you know, here I am nearly, what, two and a half, two years later, and I'm still standing and my head's still above water somehow. I haven't figured out how. Good <laughs> for you. Okay. Thank you. Um, you know, speaking of safe and effective, <clears throat> yeah, those are good. Those are terms you learn um, early on in pharmacy school. 
uh, and, you know, brought to you by the FDA, safe and effective. And of course, there's certain things that they say aren't safe and effective because they've never been proven by the FDA to be safe and effective. So they're not good. But anything the FDA approves is good. Now we know that even if you believe the vaccine, which is really not a vaccine, um, we know that, but uh, it's not effective. I mean, the, the the rate of people that are vaccinated from COVID getting COVID is greater than the ones that aren't, um, which how can you not question all vaccines after that? And I will tell you the, the, the one that I started questioning, because this narrative, you know, in, in Ecclesiastes, in, in, in the Bible, it talks about there's nothing new under the sun. This is there's nothing new about this at all. Um, governments have been doing this for a long time and even our government. And I started questioning the polio vaccine. Why? Because I remember my grandparents, who've all since passed away, talking about they were scared that my parents, when they were like in elementary school age, they were going to get polio. So what they do? They locked them up inside so they didn't get polio. And then two years later, a magic vaccine comes around that's going to save everybody. Boy, that sounds familiar. I mean, seriously, it's just, it's it's the same thing. It's the same thing. I really honestly believe that people think I'm crazy when I say that, but I don't know. It sounds like the same thing to me. It's it's true. And you start looking back and you start questioning everything and you start looking back and you can start to recognize the propaganda right now that we've been become so familiar with it. Now we can look back at things like polio and things like, um, you know, all of, all of these things that it's a swine flu that they did back in what was that 1970s? six or something like that. Um, we start looking at the propaganda and we recognize it for what it is now yeah. that we we've kind of lived through the COVID. I think that if there is a silver lining to COVID, it's that the government, these captured government agencies and big pharma have really and truly overplayed their hand. And I think in doing so, so many of us have woken up to what's been going on for, like you said, far too long. I agree with you. That is the silver lining. Um, uh, hospitals have been exposed Hospitals accept government money has been exposed and a lot of government agencies have been exposed. So there's a lot of people in healthcare, unfortunately, not enough people in healthcare um, that that don't trust the system anymore. And then um, a lot of lay people are just questioning it. And, I, you know, speaking back to where thank you for leaving the traditional system. Um, and one thing I like I, I will tell people about about this, I say I say it all the time. Fortunately, Jan and I have been on the traditional system for over 21 years. We have not built any kind of insurance in over 20 years because I think that's where the corruption lies. Because if you build any kind of insurance, it is somehow related to the government because they are told what to pay, whether it's private insurance or government insurance. They are so heavily regulated by the federal government. They're told what to pay, what price and what to pay for. So if you are in the healthcare system and you are billing any kind of insurance system, you are owned by the federal government, period. And I have friends that are in in the system and I don't I don't think that you can ethically practice as a doctor, a pharmacist or a nurse in a traditional system with ethics. You know, just like you said, there's protocols that are killing people and you know it. I know that my friends are smart guys in pharmacy. I know they're smart people. Um but unlike you, they don't have the guts to say, you know what, 
I've got a mortgage. I've got house. I've got, I've got kids. Um, I'm, I, I, I've got to, I've got to make this income. They don't have the guts like you do or the, or the faith. I hear that all the time. I hear people come up to me all the time. Like, thank you so much for what you do. I wish I could do that, but I have a mortgage and I have family. I'm like, I had all of those things too. You know, I think people don't realize that, you know, we have had the power all along. The power lies with the people. And as nurses, I feel like we could have stopped this very early on, if we had just stood up and said, no, like the moment that they told us our patients could not have an advocate at their side, we truly should have stood up as a profession across the board and said, absolutely not. And I feel like we could have saved so many lives just by doing something as simple as that. And when I came out with Nurse Freedom Network, I thought, I started looking around. I was like, this is, this is great. We have this platform. All of the nurses are going to come and we're going to stop all of this. This is great. And I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, where, where is everybody? You know, there, there were very, very few nurses that were, were coming forward. More and more are now waking up to what's happening in, and are joining uh, forces and they're ready to get out of this system. But so many, you know, I, I can understand my, my child has grown. I don't, I'd like to think I would do the same thing, even if I still had my child at home, but I don't know, you know, I don't know what decisions I would have made different if I still had um, a child to to support. Um, but I, I think a lot of nurses don't even understand that they don't have to be a hospital employee. There are so many other things that you can do with your nursing license that will focus on keeping people well. You know, that's what we wanted to do with remnant nursing. Yep. It's not, and it's the benefit of it is twofold because we are you know, while we're p- providing this true patient-centered care, we're also creating opportunities for nurses to break away from this broken and oppressive system. So I'm really, really excited to, um, to see where it's going. We have 100% positive feedback from our clients who are receiving this exceptional level of service, and they're noticing the difference right away. And then the nurses who are able to provide care in a meaningful way um, while still creating income for themselves, it's, it's just a win-win. And no insurance because, you know, as you Absolutely. And and I will tell you that, you know, 20 plus years ago when we made the decision to get out of the traditional system, we were called crazy. We were called witch doctors. We were called voodoo medicine, all this kind of stuff. And now 20 years later, you look and we were kind of pioneers in this movement. Um, And we started doing, making changes because we wanted our patients to get better and just giving them another drug was not working. Um, It just makes people sicker. And you look in the traditional system, you know, this is a nurse. They go to the doctor's office again. They get another drug. Next thing you know, they're on 20 of them. None of them ever get better. Do, do, do their diabetes get better? Does their high blood pressure get better? No. And, and that's all lifestyle related. Um, you know, so It's about give them another pill and then come back. And I, I noticed when I took my mom to her doctor in a traditional system, which I'm begging her to come out of. Um, but I, I go and I advocate for her. And, you know, the entire appointment is, okay, are you still taking this medicine, this medicine? This, they go through the medication list. What do you need refills on? Okay, we'll see you in three months. And that's it. Nothing about diet, nothing about exercise or lifestyle changes. It's it's absolutely absurd um, what we're doing. And the, the and the insurance in its in of itself, I feel, is the biggest Ponzi scheme there ever was. Or it's, it's it's the definition of insanity. Yes, exactly right. And I, I I'm listening to both of you talk about this, but at some point we we know there's other ways of making income besides stepping in that old system or stepping out of it. So. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that people need to know is that you're, you're not a slave to the system. 
there, as a nurse, a pharmacist, a doctor, there's other alternatives and they've been out there. And I do think it's, I mean, if we, if we want to be a capitalist about it, there's enough people who want to be better. We just aren't, we aren't accepting that. We aren't opening our minds up to that. Cause I think that's, that's the fallacy that we're still buying into is that people don't want to get better. They don't really want to feel better. They'd rather spend thousands of dollars being sick. I mean, that's insane. That's not true. Or, or the cop out that Jan, I like to say is, you know, when doctors, nurses or pharmacists say, well, people don't really want to change their diet or exercise. They just want a pill to fix their sit, to fix their problem. You know what? That's a cop out. You say that because you're either too lazy or you don't want to take the time to educate them because insurance company doesn't pay you for the time. That's why, because they want, they only pay you for a five minute visit because enough long enough to write a prescription and send them on their way but if you weren't in that system you could spend the time you need to to educate that patient so i believe when you say that people just want a pill to, to fix their ills i think that's a cop-out on a healthcare professional's part it is it is because that education isn't happening any longer and that's what i try to tell people in the very beginning of covid when they're like well my doctor recommended i i said you know i, I would implore you to do your own independent research because if you right. think these doctors are doing listen i've been in the system for nearly 30 years these doctors aren't doing any independent research whatsoever there may be one or two that they might do it but especially if they're in that um, corporate medicine if they're they're a paycheck employee and they are herding patients in like cattle every 7 minutes i believe is what it is. So if you think that they have time to independently research these things or that they're going to go against the FDA and risk their paycheck, you're sadly mistaken. So I would implore all of you, don't even doctors you trust, you have to do your own independent research. And that's why I think it's so important what we are able to provide with remnant nursing is, you know, we, we do have um, nurses and practitioners that focus on wellness prevention of disease and, and getting people well, getting them off of these medications. But we also offer advocacy services so that, you know, you can have a nurse that is able to um, communicate directly on your behalf with these doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals. And, you know, as nurses, we know how to navigate the complexities of the system right. that many people, again, they just have that implicit trust of the white coat. And that's a problem. That is actually how we got to where we are today. It's that implicit trust in the white coat. And let's remember, too, that they're told what white coat to go to based on their insurance network. Correct. So the insurance company is in collusion with the big clinics and the hospitals to create a cartel to literally rip people off. I mean, yes. that's exactly what it is. It's a cartel that's been created with insurance companies and, and these healthcare entities that bill them. Kim, I want to tell you this about your credibility. So first of all, when you say, you know, do your own research – that lends so much credibility. And Jan, I said to our patients all the time, don't trust us, please. Right. I'm giving you this information. Do your own research. Whenever somebody goes to a healthcare professional and they say, trust the science and this is what it is. This is the only way run, Flip exactly. and run because you cannot trust them. If they, if they are not telling you to do your own research, then, then run. You do not want to trust that person. Right. Um, and it, it's, that's the problem. And you know what? We are not here to dictate your care. We are merely here to be guides. People need to take accountability for their own health care. We are here to guide them along. We're here to provide them with information and we'll advocate. But at the end of the day, our health is our own responsibility. I, I, 
and we'll, just, we'll help you, but you I have just, to. Keep I just like, yeah, I should just let you promote our podcast because that's exactly what we talk about. Our goal of this podcast is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. Yes. That's the way it's got to be. There is no magic doctor, pharmacist, or nurse that's going to fix people's problems. We can educate them. That's all we can do. But 24-7, they're with their body. They might talk to us maybe an hour a month if they're lucky. So yes. ultimately, they have to take charge of their own health, period. And it is our job to educate them about that. That's correct. And a lot of doctors will, um, they, they really gaslight and bully patients. Doctors, nurses do this. I've seen it so many times where, you know, if a patient comes in and says, well, I, I did research and they're like, oh, well, don't, don't confuse, you know, my degree with your Google search. I, I cannot stand to hear things like that. That makes me want to vomit. It really does. You should yes. always be encouraging patients to do their own research. You can help guide them and you can guide them to reputable sources, which by the way, are not the FDA and CDC any longer. Um, please don't trust that as a reliable source of information. Um, and that's why I think it's important to, when you're digesting all of this information as a layperson, to have somebody that you can talk through and get education and, and, um, and clarification on things. So that's, I think our, our services are invaluable um, because we do, we do provide that education and information and we help you to understand and digest it better. Well, the other thing I want to add to that too, is uh, I had a guy that follows me on social media and um, I don't think he has the best diet and lifestyle and his triglycerides are really high. He's got pre-diabetes, which you and I know if you got prediabetes, you got diabetes. You better change it now. And I don't yeah. like the term prediabetes because then people say, well, I don't have diabetes yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, this doctor went through the whole traditional thing. And I'm just like, well, you know, I showed him a, a, one of a, our quick videos on, on how to reverse diabetes and stuff. And I said, if you have any questions, please reach out. And, you know, um, and he goes, well, my doctor didn't tell me any of that. And I'm like, well, first of all, does your doctor look healthy? Is he metabolically healthy? Does he look healthy? So why would you trust him with your health? I mean, if you look at so many healthcare professionals, so metabolically unhealthy. I mean, I tell people, go into a hospital, right? Go into a hospital at lunchtime and look at all the healthcare workers that are in there eating lunch. It yeah. is incredible how many of them are so metabolically unhealthy. Yet those are the ones that we're supposed to trust with our health. no. It would be like me trusting a dentist that has yellow and white teeth or, or yellow and crooked teeth. No, I, no way. Why would we do that? Yeah. And there's actually been studies done. Nurses, historically, we are some, we are among the most unhealthiest population. There have been studies done that, that show that. And there's a variety of different factors, lots of like stress and, uh, you know, we don't eat right. We don't hydrate well. Night, 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 of night shift, night shift. Night shift. I, I was all I ever worked was night shift, so it was it was horrific. So I got it. And while I'm dealing with menopause now, that's a whole other that's a whole other topic. So, but it's true, you know. And even many nurses are not the healthiest of individuals. So that's why I love what we're building with Remnant because we are creating this environment where not only our our clients or members are going to thrive, but we are going to thrive as nurses as well, and we're going to be able to have healthier um, lifestyles ourselves because we're removing so many of those. Listen. Nursing is very toxic. It's a lot of times they're not even kind to one another. And that needs, that culture needs to change. Absolutely. I want to get back on remnant nursing, um, but we got to answer a few. I just want to, I, I like to stream our comments and questions that we get from listeners and viewers. <clears throat> Lee Pence, great listener and viewers. Thank you, Sean and Janet for your great work. Um, this, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot. You're going to have to answer a question, uh, Kim. So 
I don't know. Can you read that, Kim? No, hey, Mark. The yeah. one vaccine I'm considering is the shingles vaccine. Do you feel that one is effective and safe? If I don't get that vaccine, is there a treatment for it? Thank you. Kim. I don't, I don't recommend any vaccines whatsoever any longer. No vaccines. I will not recommend uh, for as long as I live. I will not recommend another vaccine and consider it safe and effective. Yes, there is treatment available. Antivirals are available to treat shingles. Um, I, I have actually had shingles. I mean, they're not fun, but um, I have had shingles. I treated it with an antiviral and it was just fine. Um, I would not take a chance with any vaccine. And Mark, um, back to rational thinking. Uh, Mark, shingles is caused by a virus, and that virus has been around for thousands of years, and our bodies have been, our immune system has been created to, to, to overcome that virus for thousands of years. So there's no magic vaccine. The shingles vaccine is only like 25 or 30 years old. Um, so to think that we can trick, we can be better with a vaccine than our immune system can after thousands of years is, is just a lie. And any scientist, any healthcare professional, any doctor, anybody that sells different is just lying. There is no way that we can mimic our immune system with a, with a vaccine. No way. Yeah. And there's been over 150 studies that have been done that have shown that natural immunity is still far superior to a vaccine induced immunity. So no matter I what mean, they tell you. It's <laughs> almost like duh, right? And it's almost like duh. It's like, yeah. well, of course. But I will tell you, 30 years ago when I was trained on vaccines, I, I wouldn't believe that, which is just amazing right. to me how blinded I was that I could really think that we could create a drug that is going to be better than our immune system. No, not even okay. me. Even just four years ago, I was still part of the problem, when, you know, encouraging vaccines and uh, and encouraging these parents to vaccinate their children. When, when like myself, like I alluded to earlier, we don't know anything about it. We don't know anything about these vaccines. The only education that we get is safe, effective, and necessary. So that is, uh, to me, it's something I'm really, I have a lot of shame about that, but I've really had to give myself a lot of grace. And I, I encourage other nurses to do the same. You know, we don't, we cannot hold and carry the guilt for what we didn't know at the time and what we implicitly trusted for so long. But, you know, we can move forward. And when we know better, we're called upon to do better. And that's what we're doing with remnant nursing. And I would encourage all of you to not hold on to that guilt and shame and, and just know now that you know, you move forward and you do better. So tell us a little bit about um, more about remnant nursing. So um, I'm going to stream your guys' website here. Mm -hmm. uh, it is, a, it is a, a place where nurses can sign up to earn income out of the system, correct? That is correct. Yep. So we are there. We're here for anybody who is seeking safe, compassionate, uh, you know, nursing care. We are here to serve your needs, but we are also here for nurses and other healthcare workers who are ready to come out of this broken and oppressive sick care system. Right. So um, it is a, a micro franchising opportunity. We're actually having a virtual information session on January the 12th. Um, so if somebody is interested in that, we can, um, you can go to the link to register is givebutter.com forward slash remnant 
underscore info. And that is uh, going to get you registered for this live and interactive Q&A session that we are going to answer all of your questions about our very unique business model and how you can come in and um, and treat uh, or well, not, we, we don't say treat. We, we do have practitioners. We have nurse practitioners as well. But as nurses, we don't treat. Obviously, we educate. Um, but we do have nurse practitioners available as well for virtual care. Um, and we're also starting to uh, place nurses in the home because I think as more and more people begin to realize that they cannot trust this medical system, they are starting to realize that if they do get sick, they are safer at home with a nurse than they are going into the hospital and getting a bounty on their head with a COVID diagnosis, which we know is financially incentivized. Yeah. And that's how I, I watched all my patients die. So that's a good term. You that's a good term you just used. Um, COVID diagnosis is a bounty on their head. That's exactly it what it was. It yeah. is because it was it was the 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 COVID test, and then um, you know you, you get admitted, you go to the ICU, you get put on remdesivir, then the ventilator, and then death, and it's just wash, rinse, repeat. And that's what I was seeing over and over again. And you know they're scaring everybody, telling telling us all that COVID is killing all of these patients. But I am telling you, I'm here to tell you that is not what is happening. What's happening is the complete and total medical mismanagement and the malfeasance of these deadly protocols is what's killing these patients. Because if you think about it, and again, using your rational, logical thinking skills, um, why were we not pulling bodies from homes and off of the streets if the virus itself were killing all of these people? That's a great question. And it's just, a, it's a simple question that I like to ask thought provoking questions. Again, you don't have to be a scientist. You don't, you just have to be able to think critically. If the virus itself were killing everybody, think about our homeless population who weren't getting any treatment at all, who were probably not masking that it's ineffective anyway, but probably not doing any of those things. Um, yet they weren't dying. The only place that people were dying were in a hospital. Yeah. And, and here's another thing to ask yourself. If, if the government has to tell us there's a pandemic and an emergency, it probably isn't one. Yeah. I mean, it would be really obvious to we have instincts in our body to, to, to sense danger. If we knew it was that dangerous, we wouldn't have to be told by the government that there's a pandemic going on and we need to stay home. We would just know it. It's like, oh, it's like if there's a fire or a tornado coming, our 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 brain knows, even if we've never seen it before, that looks really dangerous. I need to get away. That wasn't how it happened with COVID. We had no. to be told there was an emergency and a pandemic. I mean, what a scam. What a scam it was. I hope we don't fall for it again. And it's coming. There's going to be something coming out with the election year. So it's truly God, there's going to be something coming down the pike. Um, I, I always encourage people, faith over fear. Please don't fall for this again. Um, they're going to try. I, I can almost guarantee that it, whether it be COVID or, or whatever, you know, other, other thing that they have coming down the pipe, but really our best and only defense is going to be to get ourselves in an optimal health, right? Yep. We have to focus on immune health and getting ourselves to a healthy weight and, uh, you know, focus on our nutrition because listen, there's no, there's no end in sight to, and they're coming at us from every direction, whether it be the vaccines, whether it be the food we eat, the water we drink, or the air that we breathe. We live in a very toxic environment. So continual detoxification is very, very important as well. Um, that's something that, you know, we can help guide, uh, clients through with our team as well at remnant nursing and it's it's that's our only and our best defense against whatever they have coming down the pike absolutely yeah we need to just take care of our own bodies yes. so i am 
on our podcast going to invite you to our Medical Freedom Northwest Conference because remnant nursing would fit in perfect there. So April 20th in Spokane, Washington, we are having a Medical Freedom Northwest Conference. And one of our goals is to educate healthcare professionals. It's only healthcare professionals that are invited. Um, and, I, and I use that term very loosely. I mean, if you are, are you know, you don't have to have a degree behind your name, but anybody in healthcare um, can come to this event. And our goal is to, to show healthcare professionals a parallel system where they don't have to be locked into working for a hospital that they ethically don't like doing or don't want to do. There are other ways as a pharmacist, as a nurse, as a doctor, you can make money um, and make a, make a, make an income and, and be ethical about it and be able to sleep at night. I mean, I, I tell people, it's like, you know, are you going to be happy when you're 80 years old doing this and looking back, God willing, you last that long and you can look back and say, yeah, I did what was right with my patients. I know Jan and I made a decision 20 some years ago. There is no way we could look ourselves in the mirror and say that we did a good job as pharmacists because we knew just giving more drugs was not the right answer. And that, you know, two pharmacists here that don't believe in drugs for long-term disease treatment, that's a very powerful statement. Very powerful. Exactly. So we need, we need write more. Down the date. Save the date. <laughs> I will. I'm going to look. In, I will look into that for sure, um, and and try to make that happen. Absolutely, because we need that. I mean, we need to do more of this, and we need to get the message out there to people. Um, so, absolutely, I will try to be there. So, Kim, as we wrap up this podcast, uh, I appreciate you being on. You've definitely helped us realize our goal, which is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. As we wrap this podcast up, what do you have a passion for? My passion is for it's for humanity and, and making people understand that there's a better way. You know, there's a better way. And we are out here uh, forging ahead with our own path in nursing. I, I'm passionate about restoring the trust in, in the patient and nurse relationship that has really been degraded over these past couple of decades, I would say, mostly with the ushering in of the um uh, EHR as when I really started to see that and everybody's like well it's not very user-friendly it's not you know it's not really it's not about patient care it's a billing system and as soon as people understand that the EHR is not about patient care and that it is about reimbursement then you start to understand why it's not <laughs> it doesn't make any sense so let, let me just I, I I love talking to you because we are just speaking the same language let me just talk about EHR too from a pharmacist standpoint you probably know this is a nurse also EHR was not just about insurance billing. It was also about big pharma being able to control insurance companies more. Yeah. Because, yeah. oh, Dr. Joe Blow, you have a patient that has XYZ. You need to make sure they're on this drug. Oh, Dr. Joe Blow, if you have so many percentage of your diabetics on this drug, we'll give you a 1% more reimbursement. No lie. I'm not kidding you. Oh, and by the way, Mrs. Mrs. Pediatrician, if your pediatric patients are 85% vaccinated at this rate, we'll give you 1% more on everybody's reimbursement. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Okay. Pediatricians are reimbursed by the drugs they prescribed. Yeah. Period. Yeah. PDR was a way to track that. 
Yep. Pediatricians are reimbursed to the tunes of hundreds of thousands of dollars to be in compliance with the CDC schedule. That's why if you don't accept vaccines, they will fire you because you are cutting into their revenue completely. The same thing with flu vaccines for elderly people or, or whoever with exactly. the CMS Medicare population. It's the same way. It's sick. It's really sickening when you look at it. Um, and listen, pediatricians, I, 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 I hate to, you know, dog pediatricians, but I'm just saying, oh, you, you can weigh and measure and track milestones all on your own. Take those doctors to a chiropractor. So take those babies to a chiropractor yeah, very early on. Um, you know, pediatricians, you know, I, I just, to me, it seems like all they do anymore at their wellness visit is jab them with toxins. And I'm not about that. So. Or if you're a pediatrician like Dr. Renata Moon, you might know about her. I love Renny Moon. That's why I always yeah. hate to like, talk. I'm like, I don't want a dog pediatrician. I love Renny Moon. She's amazing. Yeah, of course. She was a friend of ours. She is a friend of ours. And she was at our first medical freedom conference last fall, this fall. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you're a pediatrician like her and you speak out, you just lose your license. That's pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Doing. Exactly. Now, yeah. Angie uh, Farrell, she's another, another fantastic pediatrician in the fight. So there are, I, that's why I always like hesitate to say anything about pediatricians, but so many of them, unfortunately, uh, just really go along to get along and they're not in it for the right reasons, which is unfortunate. Absolutely. So as we wrap this podcast up, um, Kim, I want you to hang on to, I want you to hang on, um, after we go offline, because I want to talk to you about a few things. Um, but as we wrap this podcast up, what is the best way, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what is the best way to do that? Yep. Best way is you can go to our website, remnantnursing.org. Uh, there's a contact us. So if you have questions, you can certainly uh, contact and reach us through the website. You can also email us at info at nursefreedomnetwork.org. Um, and then again, we have that incredible um, uh, Q&A session, a, a virtual information session coming up for nurses and other healthcare workers. That'll be January the 12th. And you can register for that at um, uh, givebutter.com forward slash remnant underscore info. And then you can get registered for that class to learn, of course, to learn more information. And we do also have um, a lot of educational opportunities. We have uh, homeopathy courses that are going to be beginning January 3rd. So those are open to members. You just have to be a $30 basic member of our PMA in order to access that educational opportunity. I Thank love you. it. I love it. Thank you so much, Kim, for being on. I love your knowledge, your wisdom. I love what you're doing with Remnant Nursing and the Nurse Freedom Network. I'm excited to, to see where that goes and just to work with you more and, and spread that good news. So thank you so much for helping realize our goal today on our podcast. Um, thank you so much. Few minutes afterwards so we can chat. And listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Uh, tune in Monday for our regularly scheduled podcast, 1230 to 1.30 Pacific Standard Time. We will be discussing what Janet and I have a passion for and talk about all day long to people all over the world, and that would be hormones. Kim, you should probably tune in. Yes. <laughs> and so thank you, listeners and viewers, for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. See you Monday.